Hi, I'm Jennifer Wild, and you're listening to Sober Exposure. If it's about recovery, we're going to cover it. It's like one big therapy session, but it's free. So thanks for joining our dysfunctional family as we uncover recovery with Sober Exposure. Let's go. It is Sober Exposure. Hello, another edition with me, Jennifer Wild. And I don't know how this one's going to go. I really, I don't want to fight with this guy. And <laughs> I'm actually also a little bit nervous because he's super hot. I never get nervous when I do these shows. But yeah, I mean, it's like I kind of have a little crush on you. Shh. Did I, I just say anybody. that? I, I know, right? Especially because I bet your wife is sitting right there. Don't worry. I bet your wife is like, like totally brilliant and hot and I'm just like kind of average. And so she's, there's nothing to worry here. She but, is both right. those things. Honey, if you're listening, you are both those things. <laughs> of course you have to say that. So we're, we're talking to Jeff Simone and I found Jeff on Instagram, how I find so many diamonds in the rough. Jeff was doing a commentary about Demi Lovato. Now, I mean, it, it's so politically incorrect to say bad things about Demi right now because of the, uh, you know, which he's coming out with, with the uh, he, she stuff and everything. So I'm not going to touch that because I don't really care about that. What I'm pissed off about, about Demi Lovato is I find that she's a little bit dangerous right now when it comes to what she's talking about with this California sober stuff. So we're going to get into that a little bit with Jeff because Jeff talks a lot about that and has his opinions and has a lot of research behind that. Um, Jeff also is a pharmacist. He's into nutrition. He has a bachelor's in science in nutrition and dietary supplements. I mean, I could sit here and talk to this guy about so many different things. Like I could have Jeff, I could seriously just have like a sub podcast with you about a million different subjects. You, very, so now, now that I've stroked your ego. <laughs> <laughs> As if it needs more, right? No. no, you actually do seem like a humble guy, kind of. You won't after this show. But because um, <laughs> Jennifer Wilde has a crush. But let's just hear a little bit about like where you came from. Um, and, and before you were like super, super rock star. Tell us a little bit about your story and why you're into recovery and uh, the, the whole spiel. Yeah. You know, you know, first of all, uh, you know, thanks for asking me on. Um, I love, I love talking recovery, addiction, opioids, any, anything, uh, in that, in that realm. I could, you know, I could sit here and just talk forever about it. Uh, what a great topic for a show, California sober, by the way. You know, I, uh, I did like my little, you know, my little 30 minute video and I posted it and whenever I do those videos, I don't know how it's going to take, right? Like, I don't know how people are going to respond to this stuff. And, and, and it's humbling. It is humbling doing those videos, especially now, like in our, in our, uh, you know, like in our cancel culture kind of woke scold mob where, where if you, it, it, if you just talk ad lib for 30 minutes, like the chance that you're not going to say something that's going to offend somebody and, and maybe offend them significantly is low, you know? So like I, when I used to do videos, if you ever like went back, they were like a minute long, you know, 45 seconds, a minute long. Then three minutes, then five minutes, and now I can just kind of sit there. I've gotten you know a little bit more confidence, but no, there was definitely some some fear at first in terms of like what does the how do the masses uh, take this message? 
So, right. Anyway. And, and, and we're, we are going to affect, listen, if you're, if you're going to say anything that has any sense of uh, validation or whatever, or anything that's compelling, there's people that are going to agree with you and there's people that are not going to agree with you. So the way I look at it is we can agree to, to disagree. And this is the problem that I have in this, this day and age, because I'm a, I'm a product of the eighties, you know, anything goes, we, we could say, you know, it was like anything, mm-hmm. anything goes. That's one of the reasons why I had such a hard time at the end of my radio career. It was like, I worked at a friggin' rock station, you know, and they're like, Oh, Oh, you can't talk about 420 on a rock and roll station because you mm-hmm. might offend somebody. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like I'm, I'm an addict. Okay. I'm an addict. And even I want to talk about 420. This is a rock and roll station. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's not worry about offending anybody, especially on my show. I don't give a shit. If you're offended, listen to another, listen to another yeah. podcast. All right. So I agree that's with you. it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I will kind of give like a real, real, you know, sort of quick, rundown to me because i do want to get into the you know some of these harm reduction and california sober topics um yeah i mean like you said you know i'm a i'm a doctor pharmacy dietary supplement advisor by training um i do i do one-to-one and a group coaching you know mostly centered around nutrition supplementation how that might interact with other pharmaceutical regimens someone is on lifestyle modification accountability okay stuff like that uh mostly for folks who are in long-term recoveries from drug and alcohol addictions I'm also host of a new show, Surviving Opioids. Episode one just launched last week. Uh, I've been I've been fully abstinent from an opiate and amphetamine addiction since uh, 2016. Okay, so it's an area that's you know near and dear to my heart. Uh, uh, I, I I practiced on the pharmacy bench for eight years before having to pull myself off completely. Okay, I I, I had this opiate addiction that uh that just spiraled out of control. It you know it started. Like a lot of people's, you know, with with uh, you know prescriptions of Vicodin, and Percocet, and and four or five of us would get a couple pills and we break them up, and uh, it, you know, it started like that year, you know, and then and then somebody introduced us to OxyContin, and they say, look, you're breaking up this Vicodin into this huge mound of powder. Ninety nine percent of it is just Tylenol, and you're basically snorting Tylenol with a tiny bit of hydrocodone in there. Switch to oxycontin. All right, it is just <laughs> oxycodone. It makes sense. You're getting the exact same thing up. You, it's actually cheaper if you start cutting this into like eight pieces than spending ten dollars on this on this you know perk ten, for example. It made perfect sense, right? I mean, what you know, a great point, friend! What a great right. friend! I mean, you know, <laughs> saving me money and also saving the lining of my of my nasal mucosa <laughs> you know, yeah. from all that from all that punishment. So, uh, yes, yeah, so this is around age like twenty one, I guess. Right, you know, right, like in the in the in the at the peak of the original OxyContin days, which a lot of people today they they've had no experience with that. All right, it was it was reformulated in in two thousand nine, so twelve mm. years the those original OxyContins have been gone. So a lot of people don't have experience with that. That was they my don't first remember love. those eighties that you could crush up with uh, before. Oh my gosh! And you had to lick they, them off, and you know those, that kind of blue and green coating would be all over your clothes. No, they don't. They don't know about that life. Yeah, but that was it. Okay, so you know, and then uh, uh, now, now I was in school at the time, and I was going to school, and um, uh, I, I just fell in love with this stuff. You know, it was like a love affair. That's that's really the only way that that I have known to describe it. And it progressed, and and it got worse and worse. Um, you know. And then eventually I kind of had to come clean to my employers. I got, I got, you know, shuttled through to, uh, uh, to the, uh, boards of pharmacies, like in these, in these various States that I was licensed at, 
Uh, I was I was court ordered into treatment centers. It was basically you either had to complete this stint at a treatment center or else everything's going to fall apart. And uh, uh, and you know, it turned out that I that I like, was not completely able to stay sober. You know, like I I did while I was at the treatment center, then I came out, then I relapsed, and then at this point I was I was off. Uh, uh, I was away from the pharmacy. Okay. So I didn't have my, my pills anymore. So, uh, you know, I just turned to the street and, and it was heroin and meth for, you know, for about like a year, the worst year of my life came after I was introduced to recovery. Uh, so like 2014 really was, 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 uh, you know, that was my, my rock bottom. It was, a I I was living in West LA at the time, uh, around Santa Monica. And it was just an absolutely absurd year. It, it was as bad as I thought that my life could have ever gotten. Uh, and then my wife got pregnant with my firstborn at some point in there. We ended up moving back to, to Pennsylvania. Um, I, I left the pharmacy bench practice, you know, for good. I mean, I, I, I assumed and accepted the fact that I cannot go back there. And I still accept that. I still accept that if, that if I were counting narcotics out today for as stable <laughs> as I feel at this moment, it's only a matter of time, you know? So Jeff, this is what I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you this for the past, since you said you were a pharmacist and, and a pill head, it's like an alcoholic going into bartending. I mean, come on. Is that subconsciously why you wanted to go into pharmaceuticals? Cause you're like, Ooh, free drugs. And were you, were you taking the, the pills? Were you kind of like skimming off the top? Yeah. I and mean, that's what I was doing. And that's why, <laughs> yeah, that's why the guy had to go, go through to the board of pharmacy and they, and they, you know, it turns out they don't, they don't really take well to that. They, yeah. they, they frown upon it. Um, I didn't know this at the time. See, if somebody would have told me that I wouldn't have done any of this crap, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to plead ignorance on this one. Though. Right. Brilliant. Uh, uh, Go into but, pharmaceuticals. But that is not, no. So to answer your question, uh, no, that is, I, every single year in school before that, even during every year, I, I thought to myself, there is no chance that I'll be doing this one year from today. No chance. You know, I will, I don't know how, but I will figure something out. And, uh, uh, yeah, I just never, I never, <laughs> I never figured anything out and it just got worse and worse. And every year I was adding more stuff on and, you know, then other symptoms are coming up. So I'd be taking other pills to treat that symptom. Then it got real heavy into stimulants, you know, cause I had to work and I had to perform well. So obviously I had to do that stuff. And then, uh, I couldn't sleep. So I'm taking stuff. It was, it was, it was a mess. Yeah. The progression of the disease was just, I mean, right there in front of your face, just happening. I mean, yeah. that's what happens. So, um, and then you'd mentioned that once you got into recovery and you got out of recovery, it got worse. Is that sometimes they say, first of all, when you go into a 12 step program and then you go out and use, it kind of ruins, it kind of ruins the buzz. It, it sort of ruins it once you get a taste, you know, but you also learn some tricks. Like I know when I went into treatment, I had never done meth before. Mm. One of the times I went into treatment and everyone's talking about how great crystal meth is. I couldn't wait to get out and try, try crystal meth. You know, that's funny you say that. Cause, cause the guy that I was buying it from was a guy that I met in, in treatment. Yeah. How'd you finally get it all together? Uh, well, you know, I, I was introduced to the 12 steps when I was in West LA. Okay. So, so in 2013, I, 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 I read all the stuff. I was plugged into a really good group of people. I, I bought into that. All right. So even like when I was out for the next maybe like year and a half or so, it's not like I ever thought that, uh, if I were to ever get sober again, you know, like this is where I'm going to be going. So when I came back, um, you know, 
I, all of my licenses were temporarily suspended. I had nowhere to go. I had just moved back. My son was was now born. I didn't have access to anything. So at this point, I was I was then twelve step. I you know like my cousin's uncle on that side was twenty some years sober. He ended up driving me down to a meeting in Philly, uh, and 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 I detoxed right in the rooms this time. I didn't I didn't go away, uh, and it was as bad as 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 that sounds. You know, just Good. daily. Xanax, Soma, Adderall, Oxycodone. Like at this point, it, it was it was that little like uh, uh, like foursome of 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 pills, and I did that in the rooms, and I just went to meetings a couple of times. I I just sat there. Uh, I, I just I was sweating yeah. and shivering and not eating and not talking. And uh, I mean, look, and I don't recommend that to anybody either. And I say that a lot. All right, I'm just telling you what what my experience is. Uh, you know, Twelve step rooms are are not. Um, they're not detox facilities. These are not detox nurses sitting around. Uh, it's it's really not a safe way for most people to do it. It's just it's just what happened to me. Right. I, and I was just going to say that as well. When I said good, the, there's there's two schools. First of all, it, it can be very dangerous, especially if you're coming off a of benzo or alcohol. I mean, you could that could be deadly. Right. However, when you have the cushy detoxes, sometimes you just don't learn. There's a fine line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. So that's like the idea of, of, of me, I guess. All right. So that is, uh, I have been fully, fully indoctrinated within the 12 step group abstinence based form of recovery. That is all that I knew for a long time. That's all really that I thought that there was for a long time. Okay. So that I always want to make that clear when I'm going to talk about these kind of topics that you know, this is where, this is where I'm coming from. This is who I am at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, um, okay. So, like, do you want to start getting into like harm reduction a little bit? Absolutely. What? How, first of all, if someone doesn't know, what's harm reduction? So, you know, basically, harm reduction is 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 any strategy, any any approach that is attempting to mitigate the harm done or caused by by a chronic progressive disorder. Okay, we're talking about addictions. We're talking about things that that just wreak havoc at the personal level, at the community level, at the Family level, uh, bloodborne diseases, overdoses, uh, institutions, incarcerations. There's all types of expenses and 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 pains and suffering. So any any approach that is looking to mitigate that, we could call harm reduction. And I make it a point to say that um, abstinence abstinence is a form of harm reduction. Okay. Sometimes we kind of think of those two things as different. Um, you are choosing, look, like I, I'm admitting to a longstanding, horrible opioid addiction. And the way that I choose to reduce the harm from that condition is I choose not to do anything anymore. And I've chose that for the last five years. And, and that has been, that has been my strategy of reducing the harm for myself in my life. And it's worked. you know, I have, I have two kids now, five and three, I'm married. I have, I have, I have a home, you know, like both of us work. We are managing this situation uh all those things would look a lot worse if i wasn't doing that i guess i guess that's my point um but my viewpoint has changed a lot over the years you know like i said like uh, you know you know like you because i've i've listened to some of your story you were brought in you know through the 12 steps same thing okay these are abstinence-based approaches to recovery i was taught that anything short of that is a failure um, mm-hmm. And a lot of 
of that thought base has has stayed with me to this day, you know. Uh, but also, I have found that the definition of full abstinence is sort of um, uh, it's it's blurrier than I once thought. I used to think that someone is either sober or they're not sober, right? It, you know, that's kind of the way that it was presented to me. Like, there's no reason to to argue that word. You know, you, you're sober or you're not sober. You can either pass a drug test or or you can't. Uh, but nowadays that's not quite as clear anymore, is it? And, and, and mainstream approach to addiction recovery is moving away from, from the abstinence only base model. And, and, and that's, you know, that has been the trend for this period of time. And, uh, it doesn't look like from, from everything that I read, you know, cause I really try to keep my, my thumb on the pulse of, of, of the frontline efforts. Like what is, so not just what, you know, what the old timers in a 12 step group are saying, but what is the direction that it's moving right now? And it does not seem to be going back the other direction. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff going on and I'm not even saying any of this stuff from a place of moral judgment or superiority. I mean, look, if our current treatment approaches were doing great with the abstinence for all model, There'd be a higher would, percentage of success. Sure. I would be standing against these other moderations on that theory. I would be saying, no, this is, this is absurd. You know, as long as somebody, as long as somebody can detox from heroin and then become abstinent, that person is going to be fine. But that is not what's happening. You know, we're, we're really doing terribly. If you're going to compare this, just the amount of money that we've put into addiction treatment, if you look at any other, any other epidemic level chronic disease that has hit the world and then we turn all of our resources towards it 10 15 20 years later that problem is doing great right you know the aids epidemic is a big one that i always use uh um, what if you were if you had that diagnosis or if you contracted the hiv virus in say 1985 versus if you contracted the hiv virus in 2005 those are two very different progress prognosis okay now if you okay. were diagnosed with an opioid addiction in 2000 or you're diagnosed with an opioid addiction in 2021 things look basically the exact same for you right which is outrageous it is outrageous to think how much how many smart people uh, educated people well-researched people money funds government funding have been funneled into this problem and for us to, not only are we not improving it, we're going to hit 100,000 opioid overdose deaths this past year alone. 100,000 just from opioid overdose deaths. Never, never happened in the history of you know, planet Earth. So to think that something is actually getting worse with all this attention, it's never happened before. Right. Well, I mean, a lot of that could we could really go deep. We can get political about uh, but, but I'm not going to do all that. I'm not going to go all there. We're going to just stick with California sober. Yeah. And my question to you is right here. Let's just get down to the nitty gritty. So are you are you saying that? OK, so did you you're saying right now, though, that you are not California sober. You are 100 percent sober, correct? You don't smoke marijuana. Uh, you don't take psychedelics. Is that correct? I am Pennsylvania sober. I am, I am. I don't. I don't. I don't use anything. Correct. Okay. Fine. So, what California sober is is smoking marijuana, taking psychedelics, and in Demi Lovato's case, she's she's drinking. 
she she's she's drinking alcohol and she's an addict and she's saying it's okay and she's a uh, she's a pop culture icon. This is where I want to speak out and this is where I get upset. Now, I I heard some of your statistics about how marijuana they they said that they came out and it's supposed to help the help curb opiate use and when they first legalized marijuana it the 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 studies show that it did help and now they're showing that um actually the opiate use with the marijuana legalization is actually higher. So, I mean, you could go up on all that. My thing that I am, I, I go on a rant about that I'm just so mad about is, and, and there's a personal reason to it. You have people and sure. Yeah. There, there's a very low percentage of success rate for drug addicts, heroin addicts, alcoholics, and all of that, because there's no, there's no, there's no set cure for it. It's not like a cut and dry cure. There just isn't. However, coming out and saying, that somebody that has an addictive personality that is an addict can drink friggin' alcohol and just try and control it is the most obscure thing that I've ever heard. It makes me so fucking mad. And you're telling my son that, you know, if he's an addict and he, he has a problem with um, opioids that he could smoke marijuana and then what's going to happen? Whatever. I I mean, now, now I'm totally ranting and there's no, um, (laughs) do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I do. And, and, um, and that's why I, I made like a little follow-up video on that too, where, where I, so the first video that you were kind of referencing of mine and I put this stuff on YouTube and, and it gets, you know, so I just started like a YouTube channel. You know, I just kind of created that. I figured, well, I've been putting these on Instagram. Let me just upload some of these. And it's, I don't know how it works at all. Like I've not looked into it, but all of a sudden, you know, some video is getting like hundreds of views and, and I'm thinking like, like nobody follows. I have like 27 subscribers. <laughs> you know, I, think, I just opened this thing a couple of weeks ago. So I'm wondering how, how this kind of stuff, uh, how it, how it gets engaged. But anyway, some people, you know, and then like they'll weigh in there with their comments. Um, so I did put a, a follow-up video where I'm talking specifically about marijuana for opioid addiction. That is the topic of the video. Not it's not marijuana in general. It's not opioid addiction in general. It's not marijuana for chronic pain. So okay, so this this California sober thing. I don't love it because I feel like she's been like a little bit reckless, you know, Demi Lovato with her words a little bit, and and, and I felt it during a little bit during the documentaries and the interviews, but. More so after listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. I'm not sure you know, if you kind of caught her 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 um, her episode on that. Uh, I heard it. Oh, oh, but we can't talk about Joe Rogan because he's he's a um, he's a competitor of mine. Like I'm right up I'm right up there with him. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah, you're you're supposed to laugh. <laughs> okay, sorry. So then we won't. Yeah, he's he's getting like a billion views, like a show or something, something you know, completely un unseen and on un, and unheard of but uh, yeah, he was real worried about me when he heard about sober exposure <laughs> well he will he should be anyway he should be it's coming give it give it a couple months uh, okay anyway be, yeah because okay. this this california uh sober is not it's not a treatment strategy right it's not a model for recovery it's just a thing that a young woman who happened you know to write some world famous pop songs is 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 choosing to do so this is a person struggling with opioid addiction, like, you know, like millions of other people, the difference is where the details of, of other people's recovery attempts are kept private. You know, she's choosing to make hers public. And 
I'm not sure exactly why, you know. Um, I believe that it's because she wants to impress upon everyone that, uh, you know, full abstinence is not a one-size-fits-all model. She keeps saying that, that moderation is a strategy that some people try. That's true. It is a strategy that, you know, some people try. But personally, I think it's because she knows that uh, she's going to be followed around, you know, by the media and the paparazzi. So instead of making headlines, uh, when a photographer, you know, catches her taking a bong rip or something, you know, she's going to get out in front of that story. California sober. I can do it. Totally. Own the situation. <laughs> um, uh, I believe that it has a lot more to do with, with that you know, than this, you know, strong desire to, to teach the world the merits of the, of the you know, moderation approach. I can tell you that, you know, most people recovering from severe opioid addiction, you know, like, like addictions that have been nearly life threatening multiple times, like it has been for her. You know, the like the moderation approach in that case, yeah, it, it, this is not, you know, like an effective, long term, sustainable yeah. like response to that. You know, this chick cannot hold. She she can't, and there's nothing to be ashamed of. I can't either. So I'm coming from zero judgment. She she cannot use mind altering substances, and um, I would like to see her. I, I don't wish anything bad a, upon her. I just you know get really scared because she's a person in power that people look up to. And I would like for her to do some research on Audrey, um, Audrey Kishling with the mm-hmm. moderation management um, movement. Do you know anything about her? I'm not, I'm not familiar with okay, her. Okay. So, so Audrey Kishling was somebody um, years ago that did a movement, something like this, and actually did some kind of like treatment center where it was moderation management, which was very similar to California sober. Okay. And then she, she actually was teaching people how to do this moderation management. And she was an addict herself. Didn't work for her after years. She relapsed. She was actually on Dateline. She relapsed. She ended up killing herself. And before she killed herself, she came out and told everybody that um, it was a bunch of bullshit. And she really just kind of came up with it so she could use. Hmm. No, I, yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't really shock me like that whole story i have heard similar stories what what like time frame was this what um what year was this in the 90s okay okay i do 90s and i have heard uh, i mean look this is not okay first of all this is not um this is not earth shattering stuff the reason the reason that this has become a gigantic story (laughs) the only reason is because it's demi lovato and she is a megastar for uh, look people i say it all the time Going fully abstinent is it is a it's a extremely dramatic lifestyle change that uh, people are going to resist with, you know, by by any means possible. I resisted it. You probably resisted it. It, uh, it, This is not a thing where, you know, there's an 18 year old kid. He starts using some drugs. He has problems for a year. His dad says to him, hey, look, you know, you should you should really quit using drugs. And he says, you know what, dad? You're right. I never thought of it like that. And then he never touches anything for the next 70 years. That's not how it works. And we kick and scream and fight and we claw because this stuff, this stuff is not, was not our like immediate problem. You know, this was a solution to the problem. This was, this was, this is our pain relief. This is our, this is our anesthetic. This is our self soother. Uh, um, I kind of make the analogy. Some people don't like when I say this, but if I have a, a three-year-old daughter right now, and 
she still takes her pacifier like around everywhere. And people tell us we should start taking that you know, away from her. And I, and I do try to start taking, and she fights me, right? Like she loves that. You know, that is her thing. That is her little self-soothing thing. I know that long-term it's best to get rid of it now than, you know, when she's seven years old, walking into second grade with a pacifier. Right. right. But to her, you know, it is, it is very threatening. Somebody taking away your, your self soothing agent. So I understand why somebody would want to go on to whatever talk show she did and tell the world that moderation is fine for me. Maybe it's not fine for somebody else. This is what I'm trying to do right now. Uh, You know, the biggest problem is it is just that, that she has such a mega influence. And, and I feel like the words are, are, are coming out like a little bit, a little bit reckless in my mind. Okay. Because I, I know so many you know, women in particular, but just so many fans that are looking up to her, presumably a lot of, you know, folks who have their own addictions, their own maybe opioid addictions. And, and if, and if their, if their hero is doing things one way, uh, certainly this person is going to be more influential than with just Joe Schmo down the street, you know, goes to his local, uh, you know, his local Cub Scout group group with his kids and he's talking to like the other parents that yeah i smoke weed at night it's like okay right. i don't care about yeah. the 10 people that are hearing you these are tens of millions of people and and look uh, the point that you were kind of touching on you know, marijuana is not an approved treatment for opioid addiction it's not even an effective treatment for opioid addiction um when when all of this like when all this marijuana you know glorification stuff started happening like around 10 years ago it really I just kind of started sniffing out some of this stuff and I, and I knew that it was going to go in this direction. I knew it because there's, God, there's so much money to be had in that area. So uh, yeah, of course, uh, yeah, of course, I mean, look, they're going to hire, there are people that are extremely talented and extremely well-skilled in, in, in getting a message out about a particular you know, drug or a treatment being more effective than it actually is. Right. And this is, this is everything that happened with like Purdue Pharmaceuticals with OxyContin. It is, it is yeah, so I was just going to say with the oxys. I mean, there's that, so that, many that's... examples. Yeah, there are so many examples like that. You know, with with big pharma, not just with big pharma, with uh, you know the the food industry. Okay, you have you have these marketing and advertising geniuses. These you know not necessarily addicted people themselves, but geniuses in their area that know how to influence the consumer, and that's what's happening right now. Uh, so, you know, as this stuff is getting popular, as it's getting legalized, a lot of articles came out trying to show how all these opioid users are are transitioning over to marijuana successfully. I read a lot of stories. Go ahead. Uh, OK, so OK, so here's what I want to say. So, OK, so they're not using the opioids, maybe. And then eventually maybe they go back. But then here's then what about this? Stones to the bone on weed 24 seven. Yeah, it's better than than shooting heroin. but. They're smoking weed 24 seven and they're completely they they don't have a quality of life. They're laying around, they're eating, they're doing nothing. They're they're not working and and they haven't progressed in their life in any way, except for the fact that they're not killing themselves with with the opioids. So they're not helping themselves in any way. And even in that example that you're kind of going over right now, you're assuming okay, in that in that little in that little. scenario that you're making up that this person has actually transitioned fully from a from a uh, dependency or addiction on opiates to a dependency or addiction on marijuana 
but I'm saying that I'm saying no, that that the data is not even suggesting that that usually happened. You know, that 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 even in that case, nah. I, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be, you know, so opposed. Wait, look, obviously head to head. Okay, my son's five years old. If 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 in ten years from now, fifteen years from now, he's going to go to a party, and then somebody says to me, "Okay, you have a choice. Your son can either." inject heroin at this party or he can pass a blunt around with his friend. Yeah, <laughs> yes, clearly one of those things is going to be more immediately harmful. Uh, it's going to be a higher likelihood of being fatal. Yes, obviously, right? That's not even what I'm, I'm not even going there. And I didn't go there with the videos that I was talking about either. Although we could, we could discuss what is the long-term you know, consequences of, 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 you know, regular, marijuana use um you know but like a lot of articles like i said started coming out showing that this stuff was was great we've had about 20 years of research at this point to show us that legalization of marijuana or or use of marijuana it does not have any benefit the treatment of opioid addiction not not for opioid right and and i don't want any of my listeners to get me wrong because i am for legalization of marijuana. Mm. I just want to say that, but I'm not for smoking marijuana if you're an opioid addict or if you are an addict in general. Correct. Just like That's I feel it. like um there it's okay to sell Oreo cookies in the grocery store, but if you're obese, I don't feel like you should be, you know, sucking down Oreos all day long. I agree with you. Um, um and if anything, the data right now is suggesting the opposite, all right? Now, just like you're saying, it's true that Many people that are in chronic pain who otherwise would have been started on opioids, for example, will be or might be better off being started on, on say, a cannabis you know, based product for their pain. Uh, yes, yes, that that is true. Because it doesn't have the about. physical addiction. It's, it's not going to be as physically addictive as as the opioids. Yes. And, you know, we, we can go around this circle all day long. Bottom line is. Demi, Demi Lovato needed a hit record really bad. So she did this song called California Sober and came out how she was California Sober and now is telling ch kids that it's okay to drink if they're addicts and they're coming out of rehab and saying, Demi said I could do it. And that is what, you know, what, what will happen. Although you know, she makes it a point to say like, you know, this is just my journey. I'm not suggesting this to anybody else, but you know, but you can't do that. If you're, if you're like a mega celebrity, I, if you can't, yeah, you're, uh, do you're not and say one thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, these I, people I are, can say because no one gives a shit about me. Exactly. Right? I can say something. I have like three people that are paying attention to me. But <laughs> if you have 30, you know, 30 million people that are looking up to you as their as their hero, the words are are are, are very, very powerful. And look, I mean, it comes back to what I was saying, like uh, um, her and her treatment team could go through this whole deal uh, just privately, you know, like like most people. Like most people do, I say this a lot. You know what's interesting? So, uh, yeah, so obviously, the, you know, just in the last twenty or thirty years, uh, as our as our kind of media industry has really exploded, and and a lot of of, of more well known celebrities uh, go public with with like their own addictions. Um, most of them, you know, don't really uh, kind of play out, you know, great in this in the spotlight. But the once in a while, like there will be your you know you know stories like Steve-O. And the other stories that are good, if you notice, I have noticed this anyway, 
the what the the prognoses for like a celebrity who has like their own addictions uh, uh, um, um, for that course to progress well, usually you don't hear from that person for a little bit. Have you noticed mm-hmm. that? Like for the mm-hmm. first couple of years, that you really hear nothing about that person, and then it turns they quietly out, get sober. They because they're getting sober. Like they're they are <laughs> they are recovering. They are doing stuff. Uh, they're doing you know like whatever. Normal people, you know, the, whatever non-celebrity people quietly and privately do, seems like a very, very bad uh, omen for somebody who, you know, you're, you know, like you're, the kind of Lindsay Lohan type. Maybe it, I don't want to kind of single her out, but you know, but that kind of thing where you're in and out of treatment, in and out of rehab, and the second that you're out, you're on Oprah, you know, crying and telling everybody I'm doing how amazing, how wonderful right? you are. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, uh, well. Jeff, this this brings me back to the fact that, you know, Demi, she's she's not getting any younger. There's a lot of younger competition out there. She needed a hit record. So this was a great publicity stunt. It That's possible. I, I mean, I have not you know, kind of gone there with my thoughts about it. But look, I mean, I'm, I'm not in that industry, so I don't know how 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 competitive it is. I don't understand the pressures, you know, to kind of revamp yourself, to keep yourself relevant. That's a really good point. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know anything about yeah. that kind of deal. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not in the industry either because, um, I, I drugged myself to death and my mugshot was everywhere. So I kind of got kicked <laughs> out of the industry. And so there's, there's a couple, couple other things I wanted to bring up that you talk about that was interesting to me. Cause I, I feel like I think that I know everything, but sometimes I sit there and it's like, wait, I don't know everything. Oh my gosh. I'm not God. Oh, wow. That's just one of the um, characteristics of addicts that that's why we have to have a higher power because we always think that we are our own, you know, God, but so decriminalizing all drugs and legalization of drugs, you were talking about measure 110 and now I'm starting to sound really smart. I'm not (laughs) smart at all. I just watched something that you were talking about and I was just interested uh, uh, with with the decriminalization versus like legalization, yeah. What's the difference? Yeah. So so decriminalization. Uh, well, uh, if something becomes legalized, then basically it it comes off of the black market. Okay. So you don't have to just go to to a drug dealer and just hope that whatever this person is handing you is the actual thing that they that they're telling you that it is. All right. Um, um, one of the big things with with kind of oxycontin as as um, Right when Oxycontin was reformulated in 2009, a whole lot of people switched from Oxycontin to heroin at that point. That's when the, over, that's when the overdose rate started going up. Because so it was because, cheaper. Easier, easier to get and cheaper. Yeah. And, and the original Oxycontin, it had been like reformulated. Okay, So you couldn't get it at this point anymore. So like, there were a lot of people that were getting that, and, and it was legal. So Oxycontin, it was a legal product. When you bought 80 milligrams, you knew that you were getting 80 milligrams. So the risk of accidental overdose was very, very low with just that product by itself. Now, if you combined it with, you know, benzos or alcohol, and then you went, you know, driving down the freeway, yeah, obviously that can be fatal. But just with the overdose of that product alone, very, very low. Now, that's not the case now with, you know, with these like fentanyl cut products. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, because it is not legal, you're completely at the mercy of this, uh, of this underground industry. So like, mm-hmm. if we legalize something like marijuana, for example, now somebody else is regulating that, okay? The government's regulating it. Private industry is regulating it. We know what we're getting. There's other problems. Like I said, like the problem is that now uh, these kind of these like phony papers and phony trials start, start coming out showing how wonderful something is when it's really not that wonderful at all. That's the problem. 
that I see with with um, marijuana. Yeah, glorifying sudden, weed. Yeah, yeah, we're we are glorifying, glorifying this as this like unbelievable thing with like no consequences and no side effects. That is not true. That is not look at, at Bob all Marley. True. <laughs> yeah, that is not true. <laughs> Did he die of lung about, cancer from weed? Right. Yeah, and and, and oh, the, you know, like psychosis inducing effects and and yeah, lung effects. And there's there's all kinds of other stuff. Uh, but but with decriminalization, decriminalization is just saying, um, you know, if I'm walking down the street and I get stopped by a police officer or I get pulled over and I have cocaine in my pocket and I have not done anything else, so I did not commit a crime on that cocaine other than the fact that I just had it in, in my possession, that is that is decriminalized. So oh, okay. of course, you, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe I'll pay like a little fine, uh, but that fine can even likely get waived if I if I show up to this, you know, this little like appointment. Um, we are not putting somebody in jail simply because they're choosing to do to do this, you know, drug, this substance. Because uh, um, because in that sense, yes, it is very, very arbitrary uh, which addictions we say are okay, and then which we're going to incarcerate somebody over. Like for example, you know, if I somebody's drinking alcohol in their uh, in their living room at night watching TV, like why is that not a crime? Whereas if you're you know, doing like something else. So that is the movement that we're all kind of moving away from that cr- criminalization of the drugs. And in about five years time, it will most likely be national. Every state will, will most likely have adopted some kind of variation of this, uh, uh, de- decriminalization, but legalization. Yeah. It's going to be a long time be- before some of the like, harder drugs are going to be legal. Well, yeah, sure. I'm not saying that we should legalize cocaine. However, I don't feel like um, someone like me that was caught with, you know, uh, an eight ball of coke in my car should have to go to jail for f- or prison for five years when I when I need is rehabilitation. One more thing I want to bring up, and I've never heard you talk about this, but this is something that I am really passionate about because I've told my story. I don't know if you've heard my story, but so I was, I was sober and well, actually I, I had, I had relapsed and I went to California and I went to treatment in California and I was going to meetings and everybody was on, on the Kratom. Everyone loved the Kratom, (laughs) which you could buy in a vape store. What was this? What, what year was it? Uh, about three years ago, three and a half years ago. Okay. Okay. That's kind of when Kratom started to get what happened was everyone's going to meetings. I'm, I'm in a halfway house. We're all going to meetings and everyone's going to the Kava bars and everyone's taking Kratom. So I literally go to California to get sober and I come back with a Kratom addiction. So I'm addicted to Kratom. Now, did your the, treatment with, center know that you were doing that? Like did this place that you were at know? Well, it, it was actually when I went into the sober house that I started becoming addicted to it. Mm. Um, it was after I go there for treatment and then I went to stay there for another, you know, three months in a sober house and no, the sober house didn't test for Kratom. They didn't know, but it was just sort of like, don't say it, don't, you know, just looking the other way. Mm. They, they, they didn't test for it. I, I guess you can test for it, but they weren't testing for it. And we were all doing it in meetings. Like after the meeting, we'd go to Kava bars. Like it was nothing. So I'm sitting here and I, I say this, I'm, I'm hearing baseball games in my head because I literally, it, it, it fucked me up so much. I'd be laying there. I couldn't sleep. It was, it was like just a poor man's opiate high. <laughs> it was mm. so bad. And like, I'd be hearing like, and uh third base. Oh, and he's got the ball. He's running. That's what I was literally hearing. Oh, in my really? head. Like, and there was yeah. no game going on. And this is all just happening. 
I'm, I'm sure baseball games in my head and I don't uh-huh. even like baseball. It was freaking ridiculous. And then if I didn't take it, I literally had like I was having an opioid withdrawal. So, I mean, it was bad. So here's what happens. I, I, I withdraw off of, or I, I detox off the Kratom. I come back to, to Florida and I get sober again. And it's around the holidays and I'm in a vape store just getting my vape juice. And the first thing is I should have just stopped vaping tobacco, but I see it and I'm like, you know, it's the holidays. It's fine. And I, you know, people in AA, you know, in California, they're still, they're not changing their sobriety date. And I saw the bottle of Kratom and I'm like, I'm just going to take a couple because I, I, I can take a couple and I don't have to change my sobriety date, mm. you know? So I took a couple. And because I am a friggin' real alcoholic, like they talk about in the big book, I'm a real addict. Like there, there's, there's no way around it. Okay. I, I take one hit of a joint. I'm going to be like smoking crack within days. It's just, mm. it's just me, you know? So I take the Kratom and the next thing you know, I'm in a full blown relapse. My, my drug of choice is cocaine. I don't even, I'm not even an opiate addict. Oh, I have been, but that's not my drug of choice. I hadn't done opioids in years. Next thing you know, um, I'm getting heroin off the street, which had um, fentanyl in it, apparently. And I overdosed and died Mm. and uh, obviously was saved and brought back to life. But it all started with one Kratom pill. Wow. One Kratom pill. And this is why I'm so passionate about this California sober thing, because I would have never known anything about Kratom or I, I never knew what Kratom was, you know, yeah. but I'm going to AA meetings and I'm learning about that. Yeah. I, I'm finding that you go to meetings and sponsors are saying that, well, this is AA, it's Alcoholics Anonymous. So you can smoke marijuana. This isn't Narcotics Anonymous. And to me, that's just, that's just not okay, you know? And even if you're not a 12 stepper, um, which, and I'm not saying you have to get sober through the 12 steps because I don't believe that you do. A big part of how I got sober was through meditation and my crystals and Reiki. However, I do believe that if you're a true addict, that it's you know a spiritual malady, physical craving, and that physical craving is going to be set off by any kind of mind-altering substance that you put in your body. Amen. <laughs> Look, I mean, I agree with you. I will tell you how 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 ingrained the absolute abstinence is in my in my own life, and then I'll talk about kratom, you know, for a second. Um, um, so last year, exactly like one year ago, I was in this horrible car accident. I wasn't wearing my seatbelt; like my head went through the windshield. I broke both of my feet; couldn't walk for a couple of months. Oh my gosh! Um, so I needed surgery. Okay, so I need surgery for the um, not just the first time in in recovery, but the first time ever. Mm. Uh, and, and, and not, not only did I not, did I not accept their, their, you know, Percocet prescription for the surgery when I was brought to the emergency room. Okay. So I was sort of like semi-conscious. I, I was kind of in and out of it for a little bit. I refused the, the coding that the nurse walked in there with, and, and I was in horrible pain. Okay. I don't horrible, even know if I'd be able to do that. <laughs> horrible pain. I was kind of like semi-conscious, really, but there it was. It is so inside me the idea that I personally can't do any of this stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> that I refused it. And um, and I tell this story even even you know maybe three days into or, you know forty eight hours, seventy two hours into my into my surgery when like the the kind of local numbing agents had had worn off and everything, and I'm just 
sitting in my room with my leg elevated, staring up at the ceiling in the worst pain that I probably ever had, worst physical pain. And I'm thinking, like, what am I? Am I really like, helping myself right now doing this? You know, I, 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 if ever there was a legitimate time to take pain medicine, now would be the time. Uh, and I don't know, it, it, but I didn't do it. Okay. So, wow. so that is coming from, um, so I am with you in that at least. Now, I don't know if that is true or not. Okay. I do not know if I would have taken those Percocets, one tablet every four to six hours as needed for pain. You know, taking it for those three or four days when the bottle's out, it's out. Uh, mm. Chances are that I, that I would still be in this same spot on you know, Sunday morning talking to you, right? Uh, but I don't know. And that was the point. And, and, and that is what's been kind of beaten into me from the beginning. So in terms of, of uh, what I allow into myself, yes, I am, for me personally, I am all about abstinence only. Um, but as it, as it looks to the population at large, that's sort of like the whole point of what I'm like saying here like on the show is that, is that uh, uh, everybody's journey is going to be different. Everything is going to kind of look different for that person. I will try to refer to the science as much as possible, you know, because it's so hard to say what is going to be best for one person. I can look like in this example, I can look to the, you know, to the marijuana studies and say, no, nothing is showing that this is helping. I'm not going to recommend something that if anything, it shows that it's going in the reverse direction. Uh, the same thing is going to go right now with me with, with uh, Kratom. Um, uh, I'll be honest. I have a little bit of a resentment against, against Kratom because I've never, I've never personally tried it. And I, <laughs> and I love the fact that I've tried most things, you know, so at least I can speak from experience about like, a right. lot of this stuff. Uh, you know, I've never tried it. I don't see any possibility of me being able to try it without considering that, you know, a relapse in my own mind. Right. I'm surprised you haven't tried it because you're all into the, uh, you know, the herbs and the holistic stuff and everything. And it, it is some kind of a, a, a plant or something. Well, it is. I mean, it's a tree. It, it, yeah. you know, it's, a, it's, it's a, it's like an evergreen tree that's, that's native to the uh, Southeast Asia area, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it has, you know, it has opioid properties and it has some stimulant like effects. So if it's any consolation, it was like a poor man's opioid. I mean, it, it, yeah. it's really gross. It's like so disgusting. It's sort of like now, now, now the addict in me is coming out. It's like, you know how you take a tramadol or how tramadol is supposed to be like a non-narcotic pain pill and it just makes you feel gross. I was You're just like, going to mention tramadol when you said poor man's because I always think about tramadol when I hear people describe kratom because I've taken tramadol. Obviously, I've yeah. even I've even you know tapered off of like you know Vicodin addictions with tramadol. So I've done all that stuff, and I it sounds a lot like that. That's mm -hmm. what it sounds like. And yeah, uh, yeah. So for so basically for tramadol, if somebody is not does not have a long standing opioid addiction and they just take tramadol, they're going to get a pretty good buzz from it. But somebody that that uh, knows what heroin feels like, knows what oxycodone feels like, and then someone tries to give you tramadol, it's going to feel, you know, it's going to feel like, a, yeah. uh, you know, like it's not quite there. You know, it's not yeah. quite where you want to be. And uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, look, I know I know a lot of people that have that have relapsed uh, from their opioid addictions onto Kratom and then and then back you know, to heroin. I know I know plenty of people. It's it's a, it's a stepping stone. It's uh, uh, you know, it's, I mean, I guess to use the 12 step 
language, they would say it was a reservation, right? Somebody had a reservation. That's the only reason, you know, it's the only reason that you were doing this in the first place. Uh, yeah, I'm very big into like vitamins and minerals, correcting like nutritional deficiencies, amino acids, maybe none of that stuff. Like there's nothing that I take where, or, 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 you know, took in the past or even like recommended to anybody now that 20 minutes after you take it, you're, you're feeling an effect, right? Yeah. Right. Nothing like that. This is all stuff that builds up over weeks, over months. It's not like you take it 15 minutes later, you feel better. No, if it's doing that, yeah, chances are it is, it is it's directly, it's right. directly touching on those same neurotransmitter systems that you're hopefully trying to recover from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's disgusting. I would, I would love to hear more about, um, so we're going to have to wrap this up in a minute because we both want to, it's both of our days off and I'm sure we don't want to be sitting here talking about frigging drugs all day. Actually, uh, I, can, I could, I could, I could I talk could about drugs. Yeah, <laughs> I could talk about drugs all day. So I want to hear a little bit about what you do with what you do now with your health. And I, I, you guys can't, it's a shame that this is just audio. Cause this dude, like, I can't even imagine you ever being a drug addict. Like he is in like the best shape. Like it's a badass shape. Um, you're not into the pharmaceutical uh, industry anymore. Now you've gotten more into like what the like holistic. Um, yeah. Like what, nutritional, what exactly you know, dietary. Is that- you know, uh, dietary supplementation, nutritional approach, coupled with with these direct lifestyle modifications, stuff like you talk about. You know, I kind of wrote out like what I consider to be you know these 12, 12 daily rules for recovery. Um, you know, these, these these just sort of basic things that I look at on a daily basis. You know, kind of cleaning up the morning routine, looking at the the people that I'm hanging around with, the the content that I'm consuming. I'm very very big in that. You know, I believe that we are really influenced by this stuff that we let seep into our minds. So you know, the podcast we're listening to the YouTube videos, the Instagram accounts that we're following, uh, news channels that we're watching, everything like that, I think is, is, is very, very significant. Cleaning it all up. You know, what, what books are you reading? What supplements are you taking? Uh, what does your nighttime routine look like? How are you sleeping? What time are you getting? Like, are you waking up with enough time to quiet your mind, you know, 15 to 20 minutes, whatever that looks like to you. Maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's yoga maybe it's some some light stretching you know maybe it's just you playing on the ground with your kids for 15 minutes you know something that you are being mindful of in the morning uh and then and then exercise you know exercise is a is a big one it's a you know it has been a big one from the beginning for me yeah i mean if i look like if i showed you pictures of me from you know six years ago yeah i i i physically look different you know than i do right now uh you know, it has just been this kind of gradual progression towards just trying to lock up and 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 sure up enough of these little daily tasks that we repeat every day. Like one of my slogans is that sobriety is won or lost in the trenches of everyday life. All right. So what are those little things that you're doing and repeating over and over again? I think that that is where the success happens. And and yeah, I just try to help myself stay accountable, help other people, you know, stay accountable with that kind of stuff. Like I said, I, I, I do think nutritional deficiencies is a big one in the beginning for a lot of people. A lot of people are, are, are deficient in some area that, that, you know, can be helped along temporarily. I was, I was really, really helped by dietary supplementation for the first year. 
kind of helping my mind that 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 fog you know start to clear up over time and yeah now i've i've settled it into like a regular routine and uh and and i just keep doing yeah. that one day at a time yeah your your health is definitely going to be deficient when you're pouring drugs and alcohol nonstop in in your body um i'm a firm believer that you really really have to take your vitamins and get on a regime when you want to make a decision to, you know, get sober, a regimen, regime, whatever the word is. Um, I agree. So, yeah. All right. So if somebody wants to find out more about you or how to get on your uh, Instagram, your podcasts, you you said that you have your, your podcast is called surviving opioids, right? Yeah. Surviving opioids beyond an epidemic, right? And how can we find it? Uh, so that's on on all of the um, you know basic podcasts on Apple Apple Podcasts. That's on Spotify, uh, iTunes. I just went went live last week. I actually don't even know all the all the you know, all the podcast okay. lingo. You know how it all works, but I no, know that cool. it's up there. If you have, uh, you can leave like an Apple review. You know, people have been leaving me like reviews, and that's been popping up. Um, um, oh, the show. I also I also published the actual video portion of it on, on YouTube. So if you want to you know, watch me and Yeshaya talk through some of this stuff for an hour, he's awesome. You know, he, uh, um, we touched on some of these points, some of this California sober stuff started coming up, harm reduction mm-hmm. kind of stuff came up. Uh, he's, he's been in treatment for the last 20 years. So he knows a lot about that. So go on to YouTube. Um, yeah, you can find me on you know, Facebook. I'm, I'm mostly active on Instagram. Reaction recovery is my handle all one word reaction recovery uh you know i I try not to spread myself really too thin you know it's pretty time consuming uh uh be on too many platforms but that's yeah that's where i am the most and then my website reactionrecovery.com. yeah your instagram's awesome and then there's there's one more thing we didn't get to talk about so i i want i want to maybe have you back on again because there's the needle exchange program when i think of harm reduction that's what i think of the needle exchange program and that's a whole other show and, um, I, I stand, I stand for that. I yeah. firm believe no, we, can, that. I d- we can easily yeah. go another 30, 60 minutes in these topics. We can, but my dog, you hear my dog barking. My dog's like, come on, mama, take me for a walk. <laughs> so I, I got to go walk the dog. Yeah, enjoy the day. But, oh my God, this has just been a pleasure, Jeff. And, um, it's so great meeting you. I'm definitely going to have you back on. I'm going to be following your podcast, following your Instagram and following every move you make. Not like in a weird way. Okay. <laughs> hey, do it. Yeah. That's <laughs> That's why everything's public. Uh, Perfect. All right. Well, this is Sober Exposure. I'm Jennifer Wild and have a great one. See it. Need more? Of course you do. The show's all about needing more. Go to my website at soberexposure.show or get stuck on my Instagram at soberexposure underscore podcast.